Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. This is C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Docs Radio. Thanks for uh, including us in your day this afternoon. This is our new day uh, and time on Tuesdays at 2.30, moving over from Thursdays. I'm really pleased to have our special guest, Dr. Todd Greer, with us today. He comes to us from the Vein Clinics of America, actually one of the largest, if not the largest, practice in the country that is focused on treating patients with a variety of uh, vein disorders. Most of us uh, in the community will think about uh, things like spider veins and varicose veins, but there can be obviously a variety of uh, disorders that can affect the venous system. And so I'm very pleased to uh, have Dr. Greer here with us today to tell us what we can do about those things. Hi, Charles. Thanks for having me here today. Now, you have to forgive Dr. Greer. He's working with a little bit of uh, voice issues today, so uh, he, he's got the great information, and if he has to kind of clear his throat here and there, don't, don't uh, hold that against him. So, so I didn't realize until I started preparing for the show, Dr. Greer, how prevalent a problem the vein disorders are. In, in uh, the information that I was looking over, as many as 80 million Americans are dealing with some sort of uh, vein problem. That's pretty, pretty amazing that there's that many people out there that are dealing with this issue. That's true. A lot of people have varicose veins. Um, as you mentioned, some 80 million Americans have them. Um, more prevalent in women than men, but they occur both um, in both genders. And um, women tend to get them more predominantly due to uh, effects of estrogen, progesterone. Yeah, I was wondering uh, if there was a hormonal issue that might affect somehow the susceptibility to that problem. Yeah, there, there really is. Also, we're both subjected to the same genetics. We're both subjected to the same time, gravity, um, wear and tear on the legs that you get with various activities like uh, running, jogging, <clears throat> excuse me, working out, um, and then just um, the family history genetics. All of us, are, I think, or most of us anyway, are familiar with the term varicose veins or spider veins. Um, I think varicose veins probably being something that we talk about for the ones that we see that are a little larger, and the spider ones are the tiny little uh, darker ones. But what exactly is a varicose vein? A varicose vein is a sort of a wastebasket term to a failed vein. A varicose vein is not a functional vein. Um, they do come in small, medium, and large, as you mentioned. Um, the smaller varicose veins, also called telangiectasias, mm -hmm. um, often visible on the surface of the skin, those unsightly spider veins that people do not like the looks of. Um, and especially they tend to affect women more than men, but again, we both get them. And then they also come in medium and large size varicose veins. Varicose veins are failed veins, as I mentioned. They start usually below the surface of the skin. In general, what you see at the surface of the skin is the tip of the iceberg uh, as far as vein failure. So uh, treating the veins, uh, you have to be aware that veins start below the surface of the skin, so they have to be evaluated for that. Where in the past used to be uh, varicose veins were treated with laser, with mm -hmm. injections, and so forth. Oftentimes that missed the actual cause of the veins that lie deeper below the surface of the skin. So now we use ultrasound to find that. I got you. I, that was kind of what I was wondering about is it would seem that I, I, a lot of people kind of focus on just make what I can see go away. 
But if we do that, if we just do some kind of minor procedure that's just aimed at making this little purple vein disappear from view, then there's a good chance it might come back or even be worse later. That's true. Um, early sclerotherapy um, didn't work very well because of the approach people took to treating it. It was just treated as a cosmetic issue, as a surface vein problem. Uh, treating the veins below the surface, evaluating for that, now we can get to the deeper source, the root of the problem, and actually fix uh, the vein flow that's flowing backwards, uh, uh, retrograde flow, or what's also called venous reflux, out to the surface that's actually feeding those veins, engorging those veins, and keeping them open. So previous treatment failures were high with sclerotherapy as well as with topical laser. So now treating them uh, efficiently, with new methods actually helps the veins to go away faster and keep them from coming back. So treatment uh, success rates are higher, failure rates are lower. So now are there folks out there that are still saying, hey, come to us for your spider vein treatment that are still doing these what you would consider to be more or less outdated uh, procedures that you know really don't fix the problem? That's true. Um, veins are treated um, by different methods, but we should all be doing fairly the uh, the same thing. Uh, and sometimes they're addressed successfully as a cosmetic issue, um, and they've been treated for years, certainly by uh, uh, qualified dermatologists, and mm-hmm. and um, and that's appropriate. However, if they do not go away, then at that point, most dermatologists will recognize there must be a deeper problem that needs to be evaluated. And I work hand in hand with many dermatology practices. Um, that send us patients for evaluation, um, and they will have surface vein treatment either at our clinic or at their clinic. But first off, we screen for the deeper problems and exclude those, or once they're identified, we treat that first. When, when we're talking about, you know, the, you know, we're talking about obviously there's various ways to treat venous insufficiencies here that lead to some of these uh, unsightly things like the spider veins and varicose veins. But are, it, from a standpoint of diagnosis, and detection of the vein problems, uh, are there some measures that we can use to identify that the person has some problems with the the way their veins are functioning that uh, could lead to these problems? I mean, is it possible to cut this off early, or do you kind of have to wait until they manifest visually like this? Not always. Um, If you have visual evidence of spider veins, uh, and certainly anything bigger than that, anything that's protruding or bulging through the surface, that's an indication uh, that there are varicose veins under the surface of the skin uh, that should be evaluated for and treated. Sometimes, initially, you just see a few spider veins, and um, uh, commonly that will happen before someone leaves high school. They'll see a little spider vein somewhere that doesn't go anywhere for a while, and that will gradually progress and worsen over the course of that person's lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, probably 90, anecdotally, 90% or so of the patients that I see that come in just for uh, quote-unquote spider vein treatment actually have some deeper veins that are abnormal. So um, that's something that should be suspected anytime you see abnormal veins. And they may clearly just have spider veins that will respond well to surface vein treatment, but also um, with a 90% or better chance of having some deeper uh, subfascial sources that have, that are refluxing and non-functional that needs to be identified if they're going to be properly treated and uh, and a success rate is expected. So it sounds like I'm I'm going to be having some symptoms that's going to drive me to say hey I've got I've got this problem. It's not really something that we can you know ferret out before it really starts to show up. I've got to I've got to have some problems. But from there what what leads me to have 
Vera Coast fans. Actually, one of our Twitter users asked the question, you know, does standing a long time, does that predispose me to have uh, this kind of problem? Um, you know, what, what, what leads to the venous insufficiency that causes this type of, of problem? Sure. Largely, uh, largely genetic. Uh, again, once again, getting back to genetics, if somebody's predisposed to having varicose veins, uh, if you throw any other life situation um, in front of them down the way, it's going to make that worse. So if they're in a pregnancy, that's going to make an already underlying predisposition to having varicose veins much, much worse. Uh, also standing, uh, I see a lot of patients who are teachers, nurses, uh, physicians, uh, Machinist, people who stand all day, that constant pressure from gravity, which is um, not always our friend, but uh, <laughs> that constant pressure of gravity working on the veins that are trying to get the blood up the leg against that pressure of gravity can be enormous sometimes. So if you have varicose veins, you have um, problems, pressures, and so forth working against that blood getting up the leg. And um, with the development of the varicose veins, it just pools in those veins. Mm -hmm. So for the person listening, if, if I remember correctly in my, in my old school days, the, the veins have a valve in there where the, where the arteries that take the blood down there to, to the tissue are, are not including valves but the veins they got a valve that that actually kind of keeps things the blood moving back toward the heart and that's the part is that what's starting to fail is the the valve in there or is it just the wall of the vein itself that's going bad no you're absolutely correct uh what happens in smaller veins they have elasticity uh and recoil in those veins so even small veins um, they're called compliant vessels, so they can dilate and they can constrict and get smaller. They lose that ability to constrict uh, in a varicose vein. In a small varicose vein or telangiectasias, those are basically dilated, stretched out, smaller veins at the surface of the skin that no longer recoil, so they no longer propel that blood back up to, um, to deeper veins and up out of the leg. Larger veins have one-way valves within those veins, so in a larger vessel, larger diameter, uh, it's harder for the blood to get up there. They need those one-way valves, <clears throat> almost like rungs in a ladder. And if a uh, one-way valve failed, which is what happens in the deeper veins, it's like taking a rung out of the ladder so that the blood can't get up the leg against gravity. And by doing that, it just pulls in that vein. Mm -hmm. That column of blood has a weight to it and pressure. And if somebody's standing or bending over squatting or... Uh, say in a jogger, a runner, or somebody who's doing squats in the gym, any of those forces are, are magnified by that constant um, heel strike or foot pressure or hmm. that squat. Um, likewise, if they have a job that causes them to do some of those things, especially prolonged standing, um, that blood just pools in the vein and it causes the next valve to stretch out and to fail. So it's progressive valve failure and progressive wall failure. That shows how, you know, wrong my my thinking was because i was i was actually kind of surprised to hear that you know standing was going to be a negative factor or a potential contributing factor to developing this sort of a vein disorder just because i'd kind of been under the perception that you know muscle movement can can facilitate your your venous return to the heart so that you would maybe less likely but you know those things you know aren't necessarily the case so if you've got bad veins you're going to have this kind of problem if you have you know, those types of movements that you're talking about or standing and that kind of thing. So that's kind of surprising. But you're actually leading to a good point. And what you said, muscle contractions, that does help to propel blood back up on the leg. So if you're talking about a traveler that's sitting on an airplane, um, uh, crunched in coach, and um, 
you can't get up and walk around as much as you used to and not draw attention. So um, that constant sitting causes the blood to pull on the legs. If you um, move your feet up and down to simulate walking, that's called dorsiflexion. Mm-hmm. What that does is cause the calf muscle to pump and relax, pump and relax, so that you can move blood back up out of the leg that are, that's sitting stagnant in dead-end varicose veins back up the leg. Uh, by the same token, uh, if you're standing for a long period of time, sometimes shifting or standing up on your tiptoes, almost like you're doing calf raise exercises, okay. um, and light jogging or walking, uh, those kind of things help to move blood back up out of the leg. So if you're um, sitting at your desk for a long time, eight hours a day, and you can't get up and move around that much, moving the feet up and down, doing that dorsiflexion can help. Uh, stave off symptoms and also reduce the risk of complications of varicose veins like blood clots and phlebitis, things like that. So if I don't want to wear the tight, stretchy stockings of some kind that would help give me a little bit of compression that maybe can kind of help reduce this, so I can do some, you know, gentle movements or maybe some light massage or something like that periodically that will kind of help stave off the problem or reduce its effect to some extent. Right, that calf flexion maneuver will help to do that. But also, if uh, if someone has varicose veins, it's not a bad idea to wear compression stockings. Mm-hmm. And um, I've often thought why runners don't wear compression stockings during running, but um, 90 to 100 degree heat in the summers of Georgia, it doesn't take you long <laughs> to wonder why. Uh, also, they're not very fashionable. But uh, now they're making compression sleeves, um, yes. runners that make shoes, and you can see those at the running store. So they're catching on, and that's yeah. something that can help somebody kind of get through a difficult situation, at least until they seek definitive treatment. So now you know, if I'm one of those folks that, uh, you know, my, my parents had the problem or my mother had the problem, since it tends to be ladies, uh, if I'm one of those folks, uh, when do I need to seek treatment, you know, for sure? When, you know, what would you say, this is when you really need to be seen by somebody. And then on top of that, I would assume that there's some there's some value in choosing a specialist such as yourself over other options out there. So, you know, what would you say to that? Uh, as far as seeking treatment, certainly as active adults, we tend to put things off, unfortunately, as long as we can. But um, if you're having symptoms uh, in your legs, heavy legs, achy legs, tired legs, um, if you're an athlete and your legs get fatigued um, or you have lack of endurance, that's the time to seek uh, evaluation for the legs. And not everyone who has varicose veins has any visible problems. So if you have restlessness, such as restless legs, varicose veins has a strong association with that. Um, also, just um, aching, progressive fatigability during the day, uh, cramping, pain, burning, itching, stinging, those kind of things, and swelling. Any of those uh, signs or symptoms that someone has should lead to an evaluation of the legs. Um, As far as um, finding someone to treat the varicose veins, uh, when I started with Vein Clinics of America about 11 years ago, there weren't that many people around treating varicose veins. Um, Vein Clinics is the largest practice that Mm -hmm. specializes in vein treatment in Georgia and in the country. Actually, as far as uh, I can tell, uh, Vein Clinics is the the original vein specialty practice in Atlanta that's been here for some 30 years. Um, Getting to my porn experience, um, Mm -hmm. someone who's treated varicose veins for a long period of time, one thing that I like being a member of a large practice like this, we have a deep bench, so to speak. So we're always having conversations on email and, and um, postings as far as what would you do with this patient. So you have some 50 other specialists within your own, uh, within your own group that you can bounce things off of. Mm-hmm. And um, 
the other thing is being a board-certified phlebologist as far as seeking someone to treat varicose veins. used to be um, uh, vascular surgeons treated the uh, uh, large amounts of, of the varicose veins. It was a surgical problem at that time. Um, now that vein treatment is non-surgical, um, minimally invasive procedures um, in modern-day vein treatment, you don't have to uh, seek a surgeon for that. It's not a surgical problem any longer. So um, if someone is thinking that um, there's going to be a lot of downtime or disfiguring scars as far as seeking surgery for this, it's not a surgical issue any longer. So it's just treated in the office. Um, so a board-certified phlebologist is someone, it's the new um, medical specialty, fairly new, that actually specializes just in varicose vein treatment. So like if you went, uh, if you were going to need LASIK surgery, you'd want to see someone who does a lot of those rather than somebody who part-times right. that. Right. Um, and, and same thing with dermatology, you'd go to a dermatologist for that. Uh, if it's vein-related, I would see a board-certified phlebologist for that. I see. So, So what you're saying is if I'm, you know, because I know that there's, you know, obviously groups out there that, that treat veins that aren't vein clinics of America. So if I'm one of those patients and I'm, you know, kind of gearing up, they've been, they've told me that, yes, you have some vein problems and we need to do surgery for this. It might be advisable to contact a specialist like you who has uh, what you're talking about, some minimally invasive ways where I'm not going to have a, a major surgery or I'm not going to have the long recovery time that, that comes with that. And obviously, a surgery is going to have risk. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, it sounds like a, 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 you know, a consult with a group like yours just as a second opinion might be good to, to do before I go under the knife for a vein problem. <clears throat> Well, certainly, if if you're unsure about what you're hearing and uh, the provider can't provide um, answers sufficient to your satisfaction, then it, um, I don't think any doctor would mind if you got a second opinion, no matter where that is. Um, second opinions are a good thing. It's another set of eyes, another brain, another person looking at the problem and offering up uh, treatment modalities that the first physician may have not thought of. But... Um, Second opinion is um, is something that, again, should be welcomed by physicians, and I think most physicians are pretty used to that. Yeah. Um, you, we, we're talking about minimally invasive procedures. You know, Elaborate on that for me a little bit. What does that mean for me as a patient? What, what are you going to do when, whenever I come in and I'm getting my treatment with you? First of all, uh, diagnosis. Um, we don't use any uh, kind of scans with dye studies or anything like that. So we start off with a duplex ultrasound of the legs. It's painless, tasteless, odorless, basically just scanning the legs like you would scan somebody for um, uh, um, your OBGYN would scan you for, you know, um, uh, pregnancy. Um, so it's just putting some gel on the legs and uh, scanning the legs, looking for subfascial or deeper veins below the surface that have failed. Um, that's a painless study. And it usually takes a vein map, usually takes about 20 to 30 minutes per leg. Uh, that's the gold standard for diagnosing vein disease. Um, people may have heard of CT scan, MRI, uh, with or without contrast, uh, as well as um, dye studies and so forth. Those aren't the standards for diagnosing varicose vein disease uh, any longer. It's, it's duplex ultrasound. So we start off with that, with good diagnostics. As far as treatment is concerned, for larger Bulky varicose veins, the, um, the preponderance of varicose veins are actually treated with injection sclerotherapy. Image-guided injections are also called ultrasound-guided foam sclerotherapy, and that's largely replaced the need for surgery. 
there are a few veins within the legs, uh, veins of the saphenous system, small saphenous vein, great saphenous vein, anterior and posterior accessory saphenous veins, um, some terminology that you may hear um, with your treatment. Those are very common larger veins. They're all superficial veins of the superficial venous system just under the surface of the skin. Uh, and if those are abnormal, sometimes I'll start uh, a little IV on the vein just under the skin so you feel a little needle prick like uh, many people have had IVs or had mm -hmm. blood drawn. It's about that same amount of discomfort. Um, but when I start the IV for this, I actually give a little numbing shot, a mm -hmm. local anesthetic with some lidocaine or another product, and that makes it very comfortable. Um, we pop that needle into the vein, and through that IV tube, I'm able to slide a little laser fiber flexible fiber that floats right inside the vein and um, that laser fiber goes into the vein turn it on slowly withdraw it. and as I withdraw that laser fiber produces just enough heat at the tip of the fiber to close that vein it's called endovenous laser ablation there's also a similar procedure called venous closure or radiofrequency ablation they're both heat producing catheters work about the same everybody has their own preference but they close a longer straighter segment of the veins in one of those saphenous veins of the saphenous system so we start off with that that's usually the the head of pressure basically this draining blood down the leg the wrong way from the highest point either behind the knee or up on the inner thigh the bulk of the varicose veins again are treated by injection so all those tortuous um, twisted varicose veins we can treat with image guided injections just a few well-placed injections into the vein, uh, you feel a little needle prick, maybe a little momentary sting, and what that does, that medicine irritates the vein lining, causing the vein to shrink down and close down. That's what sclerosis does, or sclerotherapy, it sclerosis or hardens down the vein. So what we do now, rather than making incisions, pulling segments of veins out with a hook, now mm -hmm. we shrink the veins, close them down, and let your body just dry those out and slowly absorb them naturally. Wow, that's, I mean, that's pretty amazing now what what sorts of procedures are available where we used to have to cut you open or do something pretty significant uh, in terms of the recovery that it's going to require uh, to be able to do those things like that uh, with with your group and you, you talked about the the size of your group is of, of value just because you're able to kind of discuss with each other obviously current literature and procedures and things you've encountered so you, you your practice vein clinics of america actually gets to benefit each other because you're not operating on an island you get to talk about some of the things that you encounter here and and really kind of work as a as a team if you will but sharing what are the best practices and 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 really be able to move your your the way you approach each patient along that way and i find that uh, a great support every day actually <clears throat> Um, just knowing that there are other people um, within my own group that I that I know personally, um, that I can just bounce things off of. Uh, if somebody has a question, they can ask me, vice versa. So if we have that unusual patient that presents um, unique problems, that experience uh, is not just from one provider in the office. It's from a depth of people who have been doing this for uh, decades. So it's not unusual necessarily to, to see a complicated case to, to talk to one of your colleagues in the group and say, hey, I'm looking at this. Have you encountered this before? And, and maybe be able to get an idea that we didn't have before that conversation. That's true. And you get a lot of different opinions on different approaches uh, on how to treat it. Whenever I'm, you know, done with my procedures, how long does it t take take me to get back to, you know, everyday life? Immediately, right away. With I walk out with and I'm, mild I'm restrictions, good to go. <laughs> with limited restrictions. Actually, 
used to be, uh, again, with vein surgery, you were sort of um, out of commission for a week or two, bed rest for a period of time, leg wrappings and compression stockings for uh, an extended period of time. With modern-day vein treatment, um, you walk in the office, get treatment, whether it be uh, endovenous laser ablation or image-guided injections, or once we finish those veins, usually in about three visits or so, then they can start with our registered nurse to treat the small spider veins at the surface. So we treat veins from the inside out. But as far as downtime, um, we usually just put their feet up for a... um, uh, a short observation period of time in the office. They slip on support stockings, which they need to wear usually for a week or so, just daytime only during um, after the first treatment, and then about a week to five, maybe just five days after the second treatment, and then usually just a few days afterwards. So that sort of figures into the downtime a little bit as far as wearing stockings, um, but it's very short-lived with those. But they can walk right out and uh, right out of the office and go walk three miles if they want to. Oh, they can amazing. they can ride a bicycle. They can do an elliptical trainer, stairmaster, treadmill. The only things I wouldn't do right after um, any form of vein treatment is just go to the gym and do a bunch of squats <laughs> with a bunch of weight or go jog, you know, six miles, that kind of thing. So right. obvious things, if you just take it easy on your legs for a while, they'll heal and heal with comfort. And so once I've had this type of procedure, the you know, because I know that when we focused, uh, we, as we said around before, uh, and we're talking about uh, how treatments have changed over time um, and how it used to, it, it kind of was focused more at the you know, what we can see and the the whole aesthetic piece. But once I've had a procedure like this done for, uh, you know, kind of treating that underlying problem, what's my likelihood of it coming back, uh, you know, and having to go, you know, for treatment again? Is it pretty effective in, in terms of managing this problem uh, and helping prevent it to come back? Actually, that um, uh, I have good news there. There is, there is a good um, prognosis. With varicose veins, you have to understand it's usually an inborn problem, mm-hmm. and therefore that you still come wired that way, so to speak, to uh, create new varicose veins. But treating the things that are there help to prevent new progression. So whatever's there, all of those veins, each vein just expands on itself. So if we can get those treated and get them under control, you'll have less progression over the course of time. As far as treatment failures, there is treatment failure in everything, any kind of medical procedure. Fortunately, with veins, however, uh, treatment failure is very low. Uh, depending on studies that you read, uh, modern-day vein treatment is anywhere from 85 to roughly 95% effective, which is very good, um, whereas old-fashioned vein stripping had, um, and their numbers all over the place, basically, but um, sometimes a 40% failure rate by five years. So we do get better. We get um, more effective, uh, less risky, more comprehensive. So outside of the fact that I may have the genetics that kind of predispose me to having this problem, I have to deal with it more than one time, uh, the the treatment of my problem in and of itself is, you know, what do I need to worry about as potential risks? I mean, obviously with surgery, anesthetic and possible infection and that kind of stuff, but with a minimally invasive procedure like what we're talking about, essentially more or less with an IV approach, if you will, what what might I run into as a problem if I'm getting this kind of treatment? Certainly, there are some risks, uh, again, just like with any other uh, medical procedure from teeth cleaning to major surgery. Um, with this, since everything goes through a needle, uh, the risks are basically from getting an injection, just like if you had a tetanus shot or flu shot or sclerotherapy shot or an IV started. There's a risk of infection, risk of bleeding, risk of allergy. Those are very low. 
since we're treating varicose veins, these are veins um, that, again, are dead-end veins pooled with stagnant blood. Stagnant blood tends to want to clot. So one of the potential complications of having varicose veins, uh, things like thrombophlebitis, uh, recurrent inflammation, pain, redness, swelling with clot in the veins, and deep vein thrombosis. Um, sometimes pulmonary embolism uh, can be caused by the varicose veins. But those would be if I don't get my problem fixed. Correct. Yeah. If they go untreated, um, with vein treatment these days, there's less risk of blood clot, uh, which is kind of the last complication, less risk of blood clot than actually not treating your veins at all. Statistically, uh, if you have untreated varicose veins, there's about a one in a thousand chance of having a blood clot at some point in your life. Uh, with the injections, the risk of blood clot is about one in 12,000. And with the endovenous laser ablation, risk of blood clot is one in 5,000. So there's less risk getting your veins treated. And actually, the risk is having the varicose veins and not so much the treatment because we're actually getting the failed veins, the problem themselves, under control. So managing that problem uh, increases the health of your legs and longevity. Not only should they feel better, uh, but also less risk of having one of those potential complications of not treating the veins. So from what I understand, uh, the folks who are on uh, like birth control uh, medications, for example, particularly if they cu couple that with smoking, I know that those people end up with a higher risk of some clot formation and that sort of thing. But if I couple those types of factors on top of varicose veins, does my risk for, say, for example, having a clot like that, like you described, that could affect either my limb or possibly my longer brain, does that go up even further because I've got some vein problems? Yes, that's a, that's a very good question, actually. Um, each patient has to be um, stratified as far, as far as their risk factors are concerned on an individual basis. So if they've had a prior clot, a prior DVT or prior uh, pulmonary embolism, their risk may be higher. They could even have an underlying uh, what's called thrombophilia or a genetic predisposition to clotting. And sometimes um, uh, a patient that comes in needs to have that thrombophilia workup performed. And we do that if it's indicated and necessary. But the risks are so low, it's not indicated for the average the average person. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, obviously, as we kind of gone through a little bit about um, what can happen if I don't have this problem fixed, um, those are some serious things that we can, you know, experience and, and, and the, the risks of having this sort of minimally invasive uh, treatment are obviously quite low. So it sounds like it's kind of a no-brainer. If I'm starting to have this kind of problem, it would take me to the next question, and that is, does my insurance cover my treatment for this sort of problem. Sure. And insurance, um, I almost wish you wouldn't have brought that up. It's uh, Insurance is <laughs> yeah. sort of a moving the topic target. topic of the day, isn't it? Moving target these days. Yes, you can't turn on the news without hearing something <laughs> about health care. Um, but with varicose veins, it is recognized as a health concern. Initially, may be perceived as a cosmetic issue without any symptoms and so forth, but gradually... Um, kind of the handwriting on the wall is that this is something that's expected to progress over the course of uh, time in the person's uh, lifetime. So insurance recognizing it as a legitimate health problem, the more symptoms someone has, the larger problem they have, bulky varicose veins, uh, certainly if they've had any complication uh, along the way, like a leg ulcer, bleeding from the veins, uh, thrombophlebitis, deep vein thrombosis, if they've had any of those complications, it's more likely to be an insurance issue. Mm. But also, um, our average patient probably just has symptoms along with ultrasound evidence of, of, of subfascial varicose veins with reflux, and those cases are generally, <clears throat> excuse me, generally covered uh, by insurance. But again, 
Um, that's not a given. Um, every patient should be evaluated individually for that. And at least at vein clinics, what we do is we pre-certify or pre-authorize every patient prior to beginning treatment so we know exactly um, in writing from the insurance company what's covered and what's not. Do I have options? If I happen to be one of those folks that it turns out that I do have some venous disease, we do believe that our minimally invasive procedures will fix the problem, um, but your insurance unfortunately won't cover it. Do we have options that we can use to, You know, in terms of working out are there payment, payment options for the self-pay kind of patient or how does that work for them? Sure, and there are options, and they can work with our our front administrative staff as far as um, things like that are concerned, payment plans, care credit, um, and fee for service. If I'm if I'm if I'm the person listening and I'm dealing with uh, some spider veins or varicose veins, I think I may have the issue. How do I get to you? Do I go through my primary care doctor? Do I call you directly? Because I, 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 I as I prepared for the show, I looked at your. A website that's got some great information there for, with lots of questions and things like that, and I can schedule a consult so it doesn't sound like I necessarily need to be referred straight to you by a physician. I can actually call you directly and get, get seen. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, and that's one of the nice things that have changed. You don't need a referral from a physician if you have vein problems or vein issues or suspect that you do uh, in the way of symptoms. You can just co- contact vein clinics at uh, 1-800-660-VEIN. Or you can go to veinclinics.com. Right. Yep. And it's an excellent website. I noticed one of the cool features on the website, if you do go there as a patient or, or someone wanting to learn more about this problem, I have a question we can help. You can actually chat live with a person uh, on the other end of the line, which is excellent. And there's a lot of uh, information out there from uh, insurance information to what is the problem. So there's some great information there for a person who, who wants to know more. Um, you're also on Twitter and Facebook, I believe. That's correct. So um, obviously, if if you're a listener of the Top Docs radio show, uh, you'll be able to link up with uh, Vein Clinics of America through my own websites uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Um, before we go, I mean, I'm always amazed at how quickly our time flies by once we uh, get to talking about these interesting topics. So um, if there was one or two thoughts that you had for the community, um, someone who's listening right now, I mean, any, anything in particular that you'd really like to drive home for somebody who's thinking that maybe they have this or their loved one's dealing with this, uh, what would you have to say to, uh, to the person sitting out there in the community right now? And thank you, Charles. I appreciate you having me on the show today and for, for asking this question. I would say uh, if you have varicose veins or suspect that you do because of symptoms or a loved one does, to not be afraid to get those evaluated because – Again, treatment is is very minimally invasive these days. There's no sedation, no anesthesia. You don't have to have a driver, so there's no real reason to um, ignore the symptoms. They can cause some serious problems. What starts out as visually unattractive just gets worse over the course of time without treatment and can lead to some potential serious uh, complications with that. So before that thing, before that happens, uh, a good idea to get them evaluated. So seek a board certified phlebologist uh, for evaluation of the veins. Well, I'm, I'm really pleased to have had the opportunity to have you here, Dr. Greer. I mean, every time a, a physician comes to our show to educate the community, I'm always very grateful that you take time out of your practice because obviously that's time that you wouldn't be uh, able to sit down with uh, folks in need of your service. So uh, I want to say thank you very much to you and uh, to the Vein Clinics of America for being willing to let you come here and educate the community about this problem. I think it's uh, one that's obviously widespread, uh, affects a lot of people, and uh, it's 
great to know that we have uh, several locations here in Atlanta. We're we're here in Midtown in uh, Atlantic Station. We've got a location here. There's one in Brookhaven. Uh, Alpharetta, Lawrenceville, Marietta. That's that, correct. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, pretty pretty available for the community to be able to get access. If you're uh, not in the Atlanta area and you're listening today uh, and you go on the website, uh, veinclinics.com, you'll be able to find information about where their locations are that are close to you. Uh, be sure to uh, link up with us uh, on the Top Docs Radio Facebook page, facebook.com slash brx. We're on Twitter at Top Docs on BRX. You're welcome to tweet us questions. Um, after the show, we'll be able to uh, link up with Dr. Greer for uh, questions, uh, get, their, get those questions answered uh, after the fact. If uh, you come to us after the show is over, make sure you tune in to uh, topdocs.businessradiox.com slash shows if you want to catch a podcast of the show later on and share it with somebody that you care about. Thanks for uh, making us a part of the day today, and we'll see you all next week.